Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 10 this morning. Matthew chapter 10. Alfred, I hope I say his name right, Moser, had a bright idea. He literally did. He was inspired by persistent troubles in his native country of uh, Colombia uh, for light. Couldn't get light. Electricity would go out. We live in a very blessed place that we don't worry about electricity. We're not worried that we're going to only have electricity for two hours tomorrow. And many places in the world do. So he began to experiment with a water-filled uh, plastic bottle to bring light into the houses of people during daylight time. It, after a few tweaks, a little bleach, and a few holes in the roof, the Moser, the Moser lamp was born. Today, this uh, hundreds of thousands of homes in the developing world are lit by lit up during uh, with the Moser lamps, a safe, low-cost, sustainable light. But Mosler didn't make any money off this, or much anyway. He does not want to. He still lives in a simple house, and in the 2020, uh, 2013 article I read, he still drives a 1974 car. It says there is there was no uh, there is no man who has installed the lights within a month. One man, he Moser said there was one man who installed the lights, and within a month he had saved enough to pay for the essentials of the child that was about to be born to his wife. He says, can you imagine? For Moser, seeing the joy on others' faces outweighs the, the, uh, 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 outweighs the possibility of personal profit. It's a divine light, he says. God gave the sun to everyone. Light is for everyone. Whoever wants to save money, you can't get electric shock from it, and it does not cost you a penny. I love what this man has done, and many people in, again, the developing world use this, but his thought of wanting to bring light into the world, his statement, God gave the sun to shine on everyone, light is for everyone. What he's done with lights is what we need to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The opportunity to share the gospel, to bring light into the world. We're living in a world that's getting darker by the minute. I mean, you eliminate just all of the troubles of Israel and you have a pretty insane world going on. The main shooter and on and on it goes. Jesus is sending out the twelve. As He's sending out the twelve to preach the Gospel in Matthew chapter 10, He makes this statement, and I want to minister on this part of the statement. Verses 7 and 8, He says this to the twelve, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. I want to talk to you firstly about announcing 
the kingdom of God. Jesus came to earth with a mission in mind, and that was to establish the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, he tells us, repent, the time is at hand, the kingdom of God is here. He brings out very clearly, as this is his first sermon he is preaching, there's a whole three-point sermon right there. Repent, the time is now, the kingdom of God is here. And as he's bringing that out and declaring clearly that the kingdom of God is what he's come to establish. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the good news or the gospel, which means good news, to everyone. The commission of the church today is to preach the good news. Unfortunately, to many, all they see the church is, is a social program. I will get calls. I need money. Well, uh, so do I. You know, what do you want? Well, you're a church. You're supposed to give me money. Oh, is that all a church is boiled down to today? It's just giving money away. A social, do we build hospitals, orphanages? I mentioned before, there's good works we could do. There's things we could protest against. As the insanity continues and they legalize everything that's destructive, from abortion to marijuana to, to vaping, as these things are destroying people's lives and bodies, not to mention the world is full of bad news, as I mentioned, the darkness and all that, just, you know, read, uh, listen, people's opinions, it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's the hope of the gospel bringing light into the world, declaring the kingdom of God. That is the commission of the church, and it is to be preached. That's why our services focus on preaching. We have, uh, you know, a liturgy. We sing and we worship, we praise, we give, uh, we, we do, we pray. We do. But the focus is preaching. Bringing people to a decision. Confronting them with their lifestyle if they're not right with God. That you cannot continue in that lifestyle and make heaven your home. That doesn't make everybody happy. But it's what makes God happy. I saw a, a, you know, the t-shirts I signed up for, you know, and the quote, I think I quoted it yesterday, I'd rather be judged by the world and approved by God than approved by the world and judged by God. I thought that is profound. The one I actually bought is, I may be looking like I'm listening to you, but in my mind I'm playing my guitar. That one I did buy. But anyway... This involves your testimony, sharing your faith. You don't necessarily have to sit and work out a three-point sermon and have your scriptures all memorized and written down. You can just share with what God has done in your life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
It tells us two things. One is the Holy Spirit's power is evangelistical. Yes, thank God for the gifts and all. And we're going to talk about deliverance. And he tells him to pray for the sick and all that. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you should be evangelistical. There's some people, they can speak in tongues. But they're not evangelistical. Except for all the things they hate. But that's another sermon. Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit. The man who 50 days before was denying the Lord. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from a, this crooked generation. The New King James, the King James Version, and Peter testified. Witness and testify are both terms we use in a court of law. They are to bring out the evidence of why something is true. That is what we are called to do. Whether that's in a group and we preach, or whether that's sometimes to just an individual. Acts chapter 4, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 24, verse 24. Speaking of the Apostle Paul in prison, not with the best circumstances. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife. Jerusalem, and who was Jewish, sending for Paul, and they listened to him as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. To testify, to tell people about Jesus Christ, personal Savior, what he can do, forgive them of their sins, set them free. And of course, this has to be backed up by lifestyle. If you testify about Jesus, you should be Living for Jesus. That your life and the old quote, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The problem that I've seen is there's people who some can testify, but it's sin in their life. It's from blatant immorality to bitterness to a lack of obedience in prayer or Bible reading or tithing that stops them from being an effective witness. Matthew five fourteen through 16 You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one puts lights under a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. you got to back up with lifestyle. If you don't back it up with any kind of lifestyle, then your witness falls flat. Your sharing, you know, being born in Boston, they indoctrinate you before you leave the hospital on all this Boston sports teams. And it's just the way it is. You can't get away from it if you live there, unless you're a rebel like Scott Estes, but that's a different man. But anyway, 
If you know Scott, you know who I'm talking about. But anyway, I just heard that the Bruins, at least last week, were 6-0 and in the beginning of the season. I'm like, yes. I can't tell you one player for the Boston Bruins. There's no authority that I can say, yeah, I'm really a Bruins fan. I'm not. I root for them. I like hockey. I'm not a fan of the team. But, you know, there's still that Boston thing in me. Some people do that about Jesus. Yeah, you should go to church. And then they come and you're not here. You should, you should be a Christian. But you're not living a Christian life. That makes it powerless. It kills the light. Jesus says when you go and announce the kingdom of God, there should be a demonstration of His power. Our text says, go and announce the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out the demons. Contending for the supernatural. We would be on the streets. We talked to a couple of guys, a couple of people yesterday. Talk to one guy, he's sitting on, uh, just sitting there. He was sitting there when we passed him, he was sitting there when he came back. We're like, hey, has anyone ever talked about you? I'm Hindu. Okay, you in pain? I've just seen a bunch of Hindus get healed. You in pain right now? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was in an accident, bad accident. I got a steel plate in my jaw, six crushed vertebrae, and all. So I said, can I pray for you? He may not be open to getting saved at this moment, but I'm sure he's open to get rid of his pain at this moment. We can contend for the supernatural. The book of Acts is summed up in Mark 16.20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, the Lord working through them, confirming what they said by miraculous signs. You don't have to be a pastor to pray for the sick. You don't have to be saved a whole long time to pray for the sick. You can just pray for the sick. I remember as we were beginning to plant churches, our fellowship into the South Pacific Islands, they're full of all sorts of different idolatries and beliefs and all this kind of thing. And one man got saved. He and his wife got saved. And his wife got very sick with a fever. And he didn't know what to do. And they used to take their chalice and their idols and and wave them over people for them to get healed. And he says, Jesus, I don't know what to do. So he took his Bible. And he said, Jesus, heal my wife. And he put it over. And the next day she woke up and her fever was gone. That's done a little bit in ignorance. You don't have to wave a Bible. That's not a new doctrine. Hey, just come up here, wave your Bible, and you'll be healed. But it's the faith of a new convert. You don't have to have all Bible knowledge to pray for people to get healed. You just got to have some faith. I've told you before that as I was in Ireland and all of the religions from Catholic to Mormons to Jehovah Witnesses to Muslims to Hare Krishnas and 
all the other insanity on that. What was going to make the difference? God told me very clearly, miracles. Because you can, I've argued and I went around and I can, you know, I can take a Jehovah Witnesses Bible and show them hell in it and I can talk to the Mormons and quote some of their scriptures and show them that they, what they believe is insane. I can do all of that. But the one thing you can't argue with is a miracle. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. You can pray for the sick. There may be even people who come today, they may go, you know, but you see them limping. And I say, can I pray for you? You pray for people's needs. You know, raising the dead, he says in our text. Leprosy. These were incurable. These were unchangeable circumstances of life. I don't think we're going to have any dead people show up today. Just a guess, but I don't think so. But we are going to have some very needy people show up. Because the, why do I know that? Because the world is full of needy people. Matthew 20, 32 and 33, Jesus is being summoned by two blind men. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called to, and said, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Now, again, a mystery to me, when I was a new convert, I'd read this. I'm like, Jesus, the one who knows all, sees all, knew the thoughts of the hearts of the Pharisees, all of this. These men are blind. This is not something that wouldn't be obvious. But he asks them. What do you, what do you need? You're gonna see people, their need is obvious. But you can ask them, what do you need God to do for you? Casting out demons. People need deliverance. Rampant addictions now are drugs. Some prescription. Some illegal. Gambling has become more and more of addiction as more and more states open that up. New York is one. Online gambling is legal. People are getting addicted to it. It's a demon. It's deliverance. Pornography. Rampant in our day. Destroying marriages and young men's minds. And I might add now, young women percentage of young women getting involved in that is absolutely mind-boggling. People need deliverance. They need a miracle. Hope is what the Gospel brings. Hope is what Jesus wants to bring to people. We have the commission to declare it. Freely you have received. Give as freely the new Living Translation says, 
Give freely as you have received. The King James, New King James, freely you have been given, freely give. Think about the fact that someone told you the gospel first. Someone witnessed to you. Someone brought you to church. Now, you may have been a snot-nosed little brat who your mother was bringing to church. Or you are a lost sinner who had never heard the gospel. You know, I went through my entire high school experience and never once was witness to. The closest to a witness was a friend of mine had gone to a Catholic retreat and said, I will pay for you to go. And I said, thank you, but no. That was about the closest to a witness. After I became a Christian, I met three or four of my classmates who all said, oh, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, you didn't tell me? So I can tell you, I graduated between the year I got saved. Uh, that summer, right after I graduated, I got saved. I went back to my high school. I witnessed. I witnessed to an old girlfriend who did nothing but really laugh at me. She goes, Keith, I know you. You're not religious. I said, I'm not religious now. Went back and told people about Jesus freely I had received. Think about this church. Pastors left families to come as we celebrate 40 years to preach the gospel. Someone witnessed to you. That could have been years ago. They may not have been from this church, but someone told you about Jesus. Someone didn't ask you for anything in return, but some time to hear what they had to say. Freely, you have received. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. You can't check enough boxes to be a Christian. You have to receive it. You have to have faith. Acts 5, verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, They continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. I'm telling you, God's doing some great works. I was in prayer the other morning and I was thinking about Tony Chase, evangelist Tony Chase. He was here. He was leaving here. He was evangelizing for just a few more months and then he was going to start a church in Arkansas. And I got this call from him and he was thrilled. He began to tell me, and we're going to start these pictures now. He began to tell me he got a building. He drove by a building, this building here. Show the next picture. It was closed. So he spun his car around, drove back to it. Began to talk to the man, began to find out, do some investigation. You show the next picture. Twelve, uh, I think uh, he begins to talk to them. They have other church, another church interested, but he says, Tony, I like you. I like you. 
So I'm going to rent that to you. We were going to charge 1500 a month, but you know what? We're going to charge 1200 to you. Show the next picture. And the next one is the fellowship hall. 1200 a month. Show the next picture. They're working on the fellowship hall. The next picture. This is going into the sanctuary now. Show the next picture. It even has a baptismal in it. And the next picture, pews all set to go. The next one, God, you know, they're very excited about that. And then he had revival last weekend with Pastor Ron Lahan. Show that picture. First weekend open. Show the next one. What God is doing. Nanny got them all together. Show the next one. Isn't that glorious? Most of those are people he worked on his house that he witnessed to. Show the next one. What God is doing. Families have come in. Simply people working on his house. Just going around. Freely. They didn't pay. They didn't send a petition to Pastor Joe Campbell. We'd like a church here. They didn't even know about it. But they were given an opportunity freely. And God is building a church. See, Jesus has commissioned his church to do this. The call has never changed to bring the gospel into all the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is in the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord, and we ourselves, your servants, for Christ's sake. That's what he says. It is our job. If the gospel is hidden, it's not hidden from us. We already know. It's hidden from people like that who have no idea. Sinners who have gotten saved. The problem then is do you see the opportunity to preach the gospel as a burden or a privilege? If it's a burden... Oh, another outreach. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm busy on Saturdays. I can never make it. I've got to change the air in my spare tire and all sorts of other pressing matters. Some of you will get that later, but anyway. <laughs> it's got to be one person going, You're supposed to change your air in the spare tire? I didn't know that. See, do you get to do what God as, or do you have to do what God wants us to do? Do you get to do this? We get to do this. We get to bring the gospel to people. Whether that's in the Bronx, or in Rochester, or Syracuse, or Washington, Pennsylvania, wherever. If we're going to be a part of the last day's revival, 
We have to see that God has chosen us. Think about this. God has chosen us to be the foundation of the people He brings in. That's why, you know, you get people who've been around, and uh, this is just for free, but you get people who've been around for a million years, and they're like, they're just fighting every tooth and nail, and they don't want to grow up in the Lord, they don't want to pay their tithe, they don't want to come to church regularly, you got to beg them, they've been saved for four years, and it's like, please come to church, please come. It's like, that's not the foundation God can work with. God wants to do something powerful. Rosalannan Parkett was a very smart student. Early in grade school, she was a straight-A student, and she identified herself as being smart, because everybody told her she was smart. She believed that smart people didn't need religion. So as a result, in grade school, she declared herself an atheist and dismissed people who believed in God. In high school, she began to babysit to earn money. And she babysit, one of her favorite families to babysit was a young couple. The husband was a doctor. And the wife was also very sharp, according to her. One night after paying me, they decided, they invited me to church. I was stunned, she says. Smart people actually went to church? When Sunday morning came around, I told them I had a stomachache. Eventually, the couple tried a different tact. They said, going to church is not all that matters. What matters is if you believe. Have you read your Bible? The doctor suggesting that I should start with Proverbs. To my surprise, Proverbs was full of wisdom. I had to pause while reading and think. And then I went, read through the entire Bible and felt a very strange sense of being spoken to. I began to wonder if there really might be a God. During my freshman year, I reconnected with a friend who was a straight-A student and a star of the basketball team and on the football field. I had never known anyone so smart and athletic. He invited me to church. One Sunday, the pastor got my attention when he asked, Who is Lord of your life? I was intrigued. I was the captain of my ship. But what is it possible that God actually was willing to lead me? And in the spirit of Pascal's wager, I decided to run an experiment believing that I had much to gain and very little to lose. After praying, Jesus Christ, I ask you to be Lord of my life. My world dramatically changed. It went from being flat, black and white existence to suddenly being a full color, three-dimensional. I felt joy and freedom, but also a heightened sense of responsibility and challenge. Today, I'm a professor. She, she's actually a professor at MIT. And in my field, I work closely with those lives that are filled with medical struggles, people whose children who are not healthy. I do not have adequate answers to explain all their suffering, but I know there's a God of unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters the relationship with all who confess their sins and call upon their name. 
I once thought I was too smart to believe in God. Now I know I was an arrogant fool who snubbed the greatest mind of the cosmos, the author of all science, mathematics, art, and everything else there is to know. Today I walk humbly, having received the most undeserved grace. Two witnesses. Two people witness to this woman. John, for the harvest, is white, ready to be gotten. Jesus says the harvesters are paid a good wage and the fruits of their harvest is people brought to eternal life. Oh, what joy that waits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the old saying, one plants and another harvests. It is true. I sent you to a harvest where you did not plant. Others have already done the work. And now you get to gather the harvest. That's the commission of the church. Freely you have received. Freely give. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this morning. You're not right with God. You might know about Jesus Christ, but does your lifestyle back it up? Do you know for sure you're going to make heaven your home? The glorious news is you can. You can come and simply bow your knee and say, Jesus, I want to receive Forgiveness. There will be responsibilities that you have to embrace because of that, yes. But you know what? They're far easier than sin. They're far less costly as well. And maybe you're here tonight, this morning, and you're not right with God. It would be our privilege to lead you to Him. That you could know true forgiveness. And if you're not saved, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly and say, pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew the Lord, but no lifestyle. You've gone away, living in sin. You need to come back to Jesus very quickly. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Anyone at all. You're not saved or you're backslidden. changing the call then to Christians freely as freely as you have received freely give from the Lord himself who is gracious to us as sinners deserving the pit of hell he forgave to the fact that someone Jesus.
Give him, let's give him glory. Father, we love you, God. We worship you. Oh, God, 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 God. 